Let us pray. Sweet and gentle Savior, we give you thanks that you meet us in this place, that you've given us this day as a gift, that you draw near to us and call us closer still to drink deeply of your mercies and your forgiveness and your love for us and for all. Lord, we pray now that this moment of preaching would further us on that journey, that we might not only encounter you, but we might have a greater sense of the gifts you've placed within our reach and ways in which we might share your gospel in what we say and what we do with a hurting world. Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This is a sermon about two ineffective spies, one remarkable prostitute, and the insights into a life of faith that we can learn from their story. On the verge of crossing the Jordan River and leading his people into the Promised Land, Joshua decided to send two spies on a reconnaissance mission. The spies' job was to scope out the defenses of Jericho, the first city Joshua and his army would encounter. The leader certainly felt the gravity of that situation. Decades earlier, you may recall, Joshua was one of a dozen spies that Moses sent across the river into that land. Despite Joshua's best efforts, that mission produced an inaccurate report that prolonged the people's wilderness wanderings for a generation. Can there be any doubt that this was on his mind when he sent the two on this journey to Jericho. Certainly he thought of it in selecting them. Certainly he thought about it in even creating this mission and sending them out upon it. Even still, despite the trust Joshua placed in them, the spies almost blew the whole operation again. The spies that Joshua sent into Jericho went directly to a prostitute's house when they got there. Now, the prostitute's name was Rahab, the scripture tells us. And that might have been a nickname or even a slur related to what she did for money. Now, we can't say whether it was strategic concerns or carnal concerns that sent the spies to that place. We really don't know. The scripture is not exactly clear on that. But we do know one thing about their whole mission, and we can say it quite, quite clearly. These were really bad spies because they were within the town for just an hour or so before the police come knocking on the door saying, there are spies there, aren't there? Bring them out. This would seem to be a failure of their recon mission, right? They've been found out straight away. And that's when the story takes a very fascinating turn. The uh, security forces come, they knock on the door, they say, Rahab the prostitute, we know that you have spies in in your house Send them out now. They're here for no good. And she says, first she tells the spies, go hide on the roof. And then she tells the security forces that are waiting at her door, look, there were some guys who were here. They just left. If you chase them, you'll probably be able to catch up with them very quickly. So the security forces take off. They leave the city. They go past the gate off into the darkness of the night. And then Rahab goes back up to the roof where these spies are hiding. And it's what she says next that's that's really remarkable. It's absolutely stunning. And if we know her story, we can kind of be, uh, the familiarity with it can can kind of soften the the mind-blowing nature of what Rahab says. But if we kind of embrace it for just as the story is playing out, 
It's just amazing what happens on that rooftop. Rahab, the foreign-born prostitute, goes up to her rooftop where these two Israelite spies are hiding. And she says, look, I've heard all about your God. I know that God brought you across the Red Sea. I know that God's been with you on this journey. I know that God has given you the land. I know that God has brought you to this place. I know that your God is the God of heaven and the God of earth. Now, if we're listening closely, we should realize in this moment that Rahab, the foreign-born prostitute, has just displayed a level of faith and trust and knowledge about God that God has so desperately wanted these people on the Exodus journey to understand for 40 years now that this is a God who can be trusted, that this is a God who keeps God's word, that this is a God of mercies and forgiveness and second chances. The prostitute understands this. Will the spies understand it? Will God's people understand it? That's the dynamic that's taking place in this moment. And, uh, and then the spies, the, the story uh, where we, we cut off the story today. We're going to continue with Rahab's story uh, next week because there's this, uh, the, 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 she kind of negotiates a peace with the, uh, the spies saying, look, when you come back, you got to spare my family, take care of my, my, my parents and my, my, my children. And we're going to talk about that, uh, that next week. Uh, but there, there's this moment that I, I think is great because the prostitutes are like, now, don't you tell anybody that we were here. And she's like, dude, you already got found out, right? What are you talking about? You're, you're, don't tell anybody that we were here. They say to the prostitute, she says, well, I kind of already saved your life because you're so bad at your job as spies. But that notwithstanding, let's, let's be in, in conversation with one another about what comes next. Because I understand this God, your God, is at work in the land and in your life and in my life too. You know, because of this remarkable declaration of faith that Rahab makes, because of this statement of faith that she makes... She's had a a rather esteemed place in the scripture. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament ranks her as one of the great examples of faith that we find in the Old Testament. I think um, Sarah, Abraham's wife, is the only other uh, woman uh, put on that list. And here we have Rahab, the prostitute. The book of James lauds her for her faith and faith finding its expression in good works. And we see that certainly in her story here. And then there's maybe the most famous uh, example is that, that uh, uh, Rahab actually finds a place in Jesus's family tree, which is kind of remarkable when we think about God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Which family is this God going to enter? It's this family that can point to this Canaanite prostitute as one of its mothers, one of its grandmothers. And that's what God chose to do. It's remarkable, really. So there's a, there's a whole lot of fascinating, interesting stuff about Rahab's story. But for our purposes today, there, there are two dynamics at work that I think are worth our attention. One, there might be a time in your life when you feel that you've done or been or become something that has so set you at odds with God that you're, you're, you're just out in the dark with no hope, with no help. You need to cling to Rahab's story today and say, no, No, the God of grace, the God of love, the God of power at work in this world still welcomes me, still will receive me, still has love for me. This one that the the, the hymn writer cries out to, pass me not, O gentle Savior, that that line in the hymn comes from um, 
um, early mission work in New York City where they would go to prisons and they would sing and they would pray together. And the hymn writer heard somebody out in the crowd that day, don't pass me by God, don't pass me by God. Is there grace for me? Yes, there's grace for you. Is there hope for me? Yes, there's hope for you. There's love and there's mercies and there's forgiveness. We can cling to that in Rahab's story. And that's worthwhile as we think about the strong and courageous faith that the book of Joshua would commend to us and and would uh, bless us with. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. No, the Savior will not pass you by. Draw near to God and God, for God has already drawn near to you. So there's strength and courage for those who are down and out and beaten down and held back and and convinced that that they're worthless. There's good news for people going through that season of life in Rahab's story. But there's also good news and a challenge for us collectively, for us as a church, for us as people of faith. Because as much as we might enjoy claiming that story for ourselves. Oh yes, there's nothing I can do to separate me from God's love. There's nothing I can do that I can't call out to God and be forgiven and be given a second chance. We love that story when it's about us. We get a little iffy about it when it becomes about someone else, don't we? Just in the way we act and the way we treat them. We think, yeah, grace is good for me, but you got to work a little bit more if you're going to get a good welcome here. You're going to work a little bit more if you're going to receive the kind of, uh, 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 if you're really going to be one of us and a part of us. You know, the story of Rahab is a story of strength and courage, but we have to acknowledge that sometimes we, the way we treat people and crossing through the front door of a church requires far more strength and courage than it really should if we're the community uh, centered in grace and love that we claim to be. So, in this remarkable story of this remarkable woman who, in the face of incredible hardship, recognized what God was doing and said, yes, this is a God who's powerful and who's at work in your life and in mine. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. And who indeed found a place in the family of God. We say, yes, thanks be to God for that for me. But also because of that gift that I treasure so much in my heart, I'm going to live a life that shares that gift with others. Anything in my power, I'm going to work to bring down the barriers that would keep someone else at a distance. Anything, any attitude, anything going on in my life that would tell someone else they have to earn God's love, that they have to jump through a few hoops to get God's grace. I want to get rid of that in my life. I want to ask God to help me purge that from my spirit so that my life truly can shine with the love and the light of God. This is what Jesus offers each and every one of us. It's at the heart of that lesson, that parable he told in the gospel lesson today. Think a little bit uh, humbly of yourself. Don't always go through running, running through life, trying to get as much as you can, trying to grab the places of honor, but take a slower, take a step back. Let God honor someone else. Let someone else walk into the light. Let your life set others up to succeed and to achieve the greatness that God has placed in them. Because you know, you know when you're being that you are loved, that you are forgiven. Let's let that light shine into others as well in how we treat them, how we order our life, 
how we pray, how we worship, how we live, and let our lives truly be a sign of thanksgiving and good news for us and for all. Thanks be to God for this good news today and always. Amen and amen.